Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbatihi wa man wala. Uh, Assalamu alaikum everybody, welcome to SwissCast. I am your host Suhaib Webb and today we have a very special guest to talk about a very serious topic. Um, our beloved sister Nadia Khan. Nadia, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam. How are you? I'm good, alhamdulillah. Thank you for having me today. It's our pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, some of the background of who you are, and then we'll talk about how this podcast actually happened today, alhamdulillah. Okay, so my name is Nadia, as you mentioned. I am the executive director of the Lighthouse Project in Raleigh, North Carolina. And, you know, okay, I think you're being a little humble, so (laughs) executive director of the Lighthouse Project, what we're going to talk about today she has a master's in public administration, nonprofit administration specialization. Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> we need more people understanding how to navigate the rapids of 501c3s. So that's incredible. From the University of Georgia. Yes, I'm from Atlanta. Just okay. got, I moved to the Triangle area over a decade ago now. So just been involved in various, um, you know, nonprofits in a volunteer capacity. And so this is my first real job in a while <laughs> and maybe you want to tell people what the triangle area is just geographically some people may not know what you're talking right about. so uh the raleigh durham central north carolina area yeah mashallah mashallah that is that's it's a lot going on there a huge muslim community in those areas yes. um people may not be aware of and of course you also have a bachelor's of art in political science i guess you were thinking about being a lawyer i don't know I had thought about it on actually I but I I you know it's funny because I truly thought that was my path and then um after I graduated I started working at the March of Dimes in Atlanta and okay. that's when I truly fell in love with nonprofit I think when you're young you kind of think you have to be especially I guess as you know somebody from a Pakistani background you know it's like doctor lawyer engineer and I truly thought that's those were my only options so um I'm so happy that you know, I was led in the direction of nonprofit. So, um, yeah, that's that's where where I fell in love with it, and then I got my degree um, in nonprofit management, and here we are. And I can't stress as someone who's worked in nonprofits up until the last five years or six years ago, how having a skilled manager and someone who understands how to navigate those things is just really really important. And I know sometimes people don't see. I did a degree in education, so. I signed up for a life of perennial poverty, as they say, but the pleasure and joy that I take from education is far more worth, um, you know, any money I could make. Um, So let's encourage a lot of young folks out there listening in college, go for it, right, Nadia? Go for getting into nonprofit and nonprofit management. Definitely. We need more Muslim leaders in this this area. And it's such such an important skill to have regardless of what you actually decide to do but I think we need to stop um, assuming that people will volunteer for these kind of roles and get the degrees in it and pay people for to be in these positions absolutely we need to make these viable career paths in the community we complain about the state of our nonprofits but then are we actually investing beyond money mm-hmm. into scaling right these nonprofits and that could be a whole nother podcast yeah <laughs> But let's talk about how you've been able, by the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to take your experiences, your the knowledge that you've acquired, and now turn this into really something transformative, and that is the Lighthouse Project. Can you give us 
the story behind the Lighthouse Project. So uh, on February 10th, 2015, three young, vibrant Muslims were shot and killed in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, simply for their identity as Muslims. At the time, the law enforcement called um, the tragedy, they called that it happened over a parking dispute, which was Honestly, it was just insulting to Muslims uh, because, and it was especially hurtful to young Muslims and who felt like the narrative, this narrative made it seem like our feelings and things that happen to us can be downplayed and trivialized into something as simple as a parking dispute rather than what it was, which was a hate crime. Um, so the community, it was, they were, we were all shocked um, the shock waves were felt worldwide, definitely nationwide. It was talked about all over the media. Um, and it was obviously just a, such a tragedy and such a, sh- like, just dark time for us as a community, very somber. The Janaza prayer brought about, I think it was close to 2,000 people that came out for the Janaza prayer. Um, and it was people of all different backgrounds. There were Muslims, non-Muslims, people of all colors, ages, everything um, showed up for that. And it just goes to show you how much of an impact this had on our community at large. Um, so in this time of darkness, how should the community respond? Do we respond with more hate and darkness? No, we decided to respond with love and light. And that was the story behind the Lighthouse Project. Um, as you know, the name Dia, which Dia Barakat was one of the victims. Um, Dia means light in Arabic. So that was another um, reason for the name, the Lighthouse Project. Um, the Lighthouse Project serves as like a space, not just physically, but metaphorically for what our youth needed at the time. They needed somewhere to feel safe during that time and somewhere to feel um that they could share their ideas and passions and their problems during this time, which was um, something that was greatly needed. And, and, you know, to be Muslim in America is to be dismissed, right? And in so many different layers, whether politically, economically, socially, even, even in interfaith work, I've seen um, people like they'll make jokes about terrorists and then they'll be like, yeah, you Muslims get it. You're like, what are you talking about? Right. There's this constant, sort of battle to be heard. Islamophobia is the attempt to either structurally, physically, or culturally mute the presence of Muslims and to condition us into being silent. I think that the metaphor of the lighthouse is just like so powerful in a storm of so many different things that we're faced with. Here's this this important project. Can you tell us where it's located uh, and give us some details on what's going on there right now? So it's located, uh, so the, the original house uh, was actually a, a, a house that belonged to Dia and the family inherited it um, after his death. And that was transformed in by the community for the community into just like um, a community center for Muslims to come and hang out, have their meetings, um, do events at, and it also served the community that was located there locally. Um, so this, it was in downtown Raleigh. Um, we actually just recently moved to Cary from that location to bring us kind of closer to the Muslim community and, um, and you know, offer more space and things like that. So Yeah, I've been to that location with Ferris, I think, a few times. Yes. 
uh, yeah. it was it was just really um transformative and restorative i think restorative i came there right after um the murders and the massacre and then i think it was at that time he sort of had started it and it was just a sense of kind of like restorative energy um can you talk about what are the goals and missions of the lighthouse project so the mission of the lighthouse project is to empower muslim youth so how do we do that we mostly do that through our fiscal sponsorships, what we call our incubator program. So this is where uh, young Muslims come with their, either individuals or groups come with their ideas or projects that they want to start. And so we give them the tools they need, the resources they need and the support they need to do that. We give them, we allow them to use our nonprofit status so they don't have to apply for that and go through that whole process. We, um, create a bank account for them. We take care of their accounting. We take care of their taxes and things like that so that they can focus purely on their brand and on their mission and on their goals. And this, way, and this way we empower them to take their ideas and put it into, you, into use. If I'm a young person, how do I go about applying for that? What would be like, how would I engage you to see if I, you know, if I'm eligible? Do I need to be in North Carolina? Can it be across the globe? Like, how does that process happen? So currently our projects, well, our mission is to focus uh, on the youth in the Triangle area. I should have mentioned <laughs> that. Um, we, uh, so the, kind of the process right now is mostly we make sure that the mission aligns and that the project itself is either for the youth or by the youth. Amazing. And, and this is really a way to extend the light, Dia, his light, and the light of Yusra and Razan, uh, right. uh, and to, you know, continue kind of the legacy that they were sort of on a trajectory to fulfill. Uh, right. alhamdulillah. Um, what inspired you to get involved in this? So, I, obviously, I was in the community when this happened. And again, it was something that we all felt living here. Um, I've always had I have a background in nonprofit management, but I've always had a passion for working in the Muslim community. Um, and so I was, I joined the board of the Lighthouse Project in 2018. Um, and just recently, Faris Barakat, who is the brother of Dia, who started the Lighthouse Project, um, he was serving as executive director and he recently, just due to life changes and, and things like that, decided to step down from that position. And um, so I just took it on just in October of 2021, um, started off on the, in this role. Amazing. And, you know, again, I think it's just really important to realize sometimes, you know, I came up through nonprofits starting in like 1998, very young, was an assistant imam. And I remember hearing people say like, these young people don't volunteer, like these young people don't get involved. And then you know, learning through activism and work with others that like, well, you have to have asks. So then I would ask people respectively, even young people in institutions were complaining, not just elders. And I would say to them, like, have you ever asked for volunteers? Right. And they're like, no. And so I remember in one community in particular, we needed people to canvas for a mayoral candidate in, in Boston. And the ask was made and we had 65 people young, like very young people ready to go. And some of them were saying like, kind of what you were saying, like I had this longing to contribute to the Muslim community, but no one ever really asked me. And people sometimes don't know how to volunteer, of course, right? right. There's a lot of, I know I can say that for myself. When I walk into community, I feel like intimidated a little bit, like, where do I start, right? So I think you, like, that's such a great testimony to you. And then to like the fact that there are 
so many young men and women out there and younger men and women and even old folks, you know, who, who are just down. We just have to, act, we have to knock on the door. Right, right. Yeah. And, and one thing that I've really noticed with the Lighthouse Project in particular is that, you know, a lot of times we think that, oh, young people, they're not serious, you know, about mm-hmm. taking on projects and stuff. But I have been amazed as to what young Muslims can accomplish when they're giving these, these resources and this support that they need. And um, I forgot to mention that we have some of our own programs and one of those is called Notable Pursuits, where we have young Muslims come and present their kind of in a TED Talk style, um, their ideas and their projects that they're working on. And it is truly a night, an inspirational night where you will hear people from artists to politicians to entrepreneurs they're taking young Muslims taking on projects. And again, I mentioned previously that we only hear growing up doctor, lawyer, engineer, that type of thing to hear that there's such diversity in what young people are taking on. It's truly inspirational and truly um, just, it makes you feel good about the possibility of where the Muslim community is going. And, um, And going back to, there are a lot of people that are getting involved in nonprofit work because they see the importance of it. Exactly. And again, every community should evaluate itself by asking, does it offer people a choice? Does it offer people a chance? Right. There's a chance. There's a choice that lets us know as nonprofits, especially mosques, Islamic centers and others. Like, are we really giving people like the the utility needed to grow? Uh, So a choice, a chance and a choice. Um, Of course, COVID-19, we all have experienced like a really dramatic change in our lifestyle. just so many things have happened here in New York City. We were faced with just a large number of deaths um, that impacted the Muslim community, um, especially in 2020. Um, but then also nonprofits have suffered. Uh, some have done actually better, but some have suffered. What are some of the challenges that you guys have experienced during the pandemic at the Lighthouse Project? So as you said, nonprofits were hit kind of hard in the sense that you know, donations slow down. We also felt hesitant to ask for donations during a time when we knew people were struggling. So, uh, and because we weren't meeting in person, our programs and such slowed down a bit. We were still, some of our incubators were still doing great work. Uh, We have one in particular that is doing work in politics and things like that, which, you know, during the election season was definitely very active. Absolutely. Um, But so our, the challenge was for one, getting donors back excited, but it's like the chicken or the egg situation where it's like, we have to offer programs to get donors, but we need donors to get programs. So um, for me, the biggest challenge, first of all, coming on, I'm coming out of a pandemic and I'm coming on to a big role and big shoes to fill and taking on a position that Faris Barakath held. Um, And so, the and the other challenge I've noticed in youth work is that the youth are going to grow up so you kind of have to start the cycle over again after every few years the youth that were active while Ferris was executive director have all moved on they're getting married they're getting real jobs they're having children so this new group of youth that are come that have come of age during the pandemic a lot of them are not necessarily necessarily familiar with the lighthouse project so getting them excited about it again um, has been challenging, but alhamdulillah, like 
the response has been amazing because I think people are ready to start meeting again. They're ready to, um, to see the Lighthouse Project active and up and running again. So it's, it's exciting. I'm optimistic that things are going to, this year is going to be busy and inshallah more and more youth are going to get involved and excited about the Lighthouse. And, and you know, even historically, people sort of unfortunately have forgotten 2015. Um, the way time and space works now, it's about a post that happened an hour ago is old two hours later, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, so what I've seen in Generation Z, I like this Generation Z folk. I like them. They, they, have a, they have a chip on their shoulder that's really, I like it. You know, I think it's, it's, it's uninhibited and it's very like, okay, let's do it. Let's not talk about it. And they're facing a global climate crisis in their middle ages. So they're, you know, they're, the clock is ticking for them already. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's great to see you are able to tap into these younger generations and, and create that memory. Uh, and then how to translate that memory. Because I think it's important that not only people learn how to translate this trauma into something which is eventually like a source of emergent growth, but then also they can translate this to the other challenges that they may face in their life, other challenges that they run into. Um, What are you currently doing at LHP? What are you up to? So um, February is a busy month. Um, As you know, the uh, anniversary. It's been seven years now since the tragedy in Chapel Hill. Um, so we recently just finished a hashtag day of light, um, campaign, social media campaign. And, you know, we don't want to remember February as a, as a tragedy. We don't want to remember the three winners as victims. We want to remember them for their work and for their legacy. And that was the purpose of the campaign. We want to see how, members in our community and beyond have continued to spread light um, since the tragedy. So it was really honestly inspiring. Uh, you can go to our um, Instagram page at LHProj to see those videos and hear from yours truly <laughs> and others who were able to um, join the campaign. Um, and then uh, we also do every February a hashtag feed their legacy um, food drive. And this benefits the um, Food Bank of Central and Eastern North Carolina. Over the past six years, we've been able to um, collect what translates to almost 300,000 meals for North Carolina. And uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to do it last year due to the pandemic, but we're back this year, hopefully bigger and better than ever. I'm really excited because we've gotten a lot of high schoolers involved in different just organization. And, And it's an interfaith event. So we have the Jewish community and Christian community, everyone's involved in this. And um, we have our final collection day, February 26th. And I know a lot of your listeners are not local. We do have a virtual food drive you can contribute to if you are interested. And if you visit lhproj.com, you can get the information there. Mashallah. And and roughly how many incubators are working with you guys right now? So we currently have three. One is called Muslim Women 4, one is Oak City Falcons, and one is Triangle Muslim Aid. And we're in the process of actually onboarding three more. So I'm, I'm, that's another thing that we're working Amazing. on. So excited. Amazing. Amazing. And what is your vision for the future at uh, LHP? So I, I'm glad you asked at the beginning, like how other um, communities can benefit. I would like to, well, first and foremost, within the next two years, I would love for to have the organization up and running again, hire some more staff because currently I'm the only one. Um, so grow the organization, get more, youth involved, get more incubators going. Um, But 
I would like to see in the next five years or so this um, this organization replicated in other cities because I don't think anything like this really exists within the Muslim community where we do these um, this, these fiscal sponsorships because instead of reinventing the wheel and having organizations you know start get their nonprofit status and do all the work they're getting the exposure and the legitimacy they need from the get-go by being under an established name. So if we could have this replicated in other cities, that would be our five-year goal, I would say. And I'm taking it you are a nonprofit. If people are interested in donating, where can they go to? lhproj.com. And we have a, a contribute page on there. So, so lhproj.com. Yes. Nadia, thank you so much. It's been um, an honor and a pleasure and look forward to continuing to work together um, to do this transformative, powerful work. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to add before we jump off? Um, no, visit our page and thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam.